chapter seven part one of with fire and sword this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by asterix with fire and sword by samuel h byers chapter seven part one crossing the mississippi on gunboats and steamers battle of port gibson how general grant looked to a private soldier a boy from mississippi fights at raymond battle of jackson in a thunderstorm digging his brother's grave grant in battle saving a flag how men feel in battle an awful spectacle the critical moment of general grant's life a battlefield letter from him to sherman now that the boats were below the city we were to begin the vicksburg campaign in earnest all the troops that had been left camped on the river levee above at millikan's bend hurried by roundabout roads through cane breaks and swamps to the point where our little boats had anchored after running past the batteries that night here we joined the rest of the army and the ferrying of thousands of soldiers across the great river day and night at once commenced my own regiment was put on to one of the iron gunboats and ferried over the mississippi at a point close to grand gulf here our river navy had silenced the rebel forts it was the first gunboat i had ever seen its sides bore great scars indentations made by the enemy's batteries on the preceding day we hurried on and became a part of the reserve at the hot battle of port gibson as we ourselves did no fighting in a plantation yard close by my regiment lay our wounded as they were carried back from the front it was a terrible sight many had been torn by shrapnel and lay there on the grass in great agony some seemed with their own hands to be trying to tear their mangled limbs from their bodies the possession of all vicksburg did not seem worth the pain and the agony i saw there that afternoon that was war and it was hell sure enough the next day when the battle was over i was at a negro cabin getting a loaf of cornbread i suddenly heard a little cheering down by the river where some men were putting down pontoons in place of the bridge burned by the enemy i went down at once and as i stood by the river bank i noticed an officer on horseback in full general's uniform suddenly he dismounted and came over to the very spot where i was standing i did not know his face but something told me it was grant ulysses grant at that moment the hero of the western army solid he stood erect about five feet eight in height with square features thin closed lips brown hair brown beard both cut short and neat he must weigh one hundred and forty or fifty pounds looks just like the soldier he is i think he is larger than napoleon but not much he is not so dumpy his legs are not so short and his neck is not so short and thick he looks like a man in earnest and the rebels think he is one this was the first time i saw grant 
I think I still possess some of the feeling that came over me at that moment, as I stood so near to one who held our lives, and possibly his country's life, in his hands. How little I dreamed that some day I would have the great honour of sitting beside him at my own table. Yet this occurred. Now he spoke. Men, push right along, close up fast, and hurry over. Two or three men on mules attempted to wedge past the soldiers on the bridge. Grant noticed it, and quietly said, Lieutenant, arrest those men and send them to the rear. Every soldier passing turned to gaze on him. But there was no further recognition. There was no McClellan begging the boys to allow him to light his cigar by theirs, no inquiring to what regiment that exceedingly fine marching company belonged. There was no Pope bullying the men for not marching faster, reproving officers for neglecting trivial details remembered only by martinets. There was no Bonaparte posturing for effect, no pointing to the pyramids, no calling the centuries to witness. There was no nonsense, no sentiment, only a plain businessman of the Republic there for the one single purpose of getting that army across the river in the shortest time possible in short it was just plain general grant as he appeared on his way to vicksburg on a horse near by and among the still-mounted staff sat the general's son a bright-looking lad of perhaps eleven years fastened to his little waist by a broad yellow belt was his father's sword that sword on whose clear steel was yet to be engraved vicksburg spotsylvania the wilderness appomattox the boy talked and jested with the bronzed soldiers near him who laughingly inquired where we should camp that night to which the young field marshal replied oh over the river over the river ah that night we slept with our guns in our hands and another night and another saw more than one of our division and of my own regiment camped over the river in that last tenting ground where the rivale was heard no more forever my own command crossed the bridge that night by torchlight it was a strange weird scene many of the rebel dead killed beyond the stream by our cannon before our approach still lay at the roadside or in fields unburied at one turn in the road my regiment marched close by a rebel battery that had been completely destroyed men horses and all lay there dead in indiscriminate heaps the face of one boy lying there among the horses i shall never forget it was daylight now the bright sun was just rising when i left the ranks a moment to step aside to see that boy he was lying on his back his face was young and fair his beautiful brown hair curled almost in ringlets and his eyes brown and beautiful were wide open his hands were across his breast a cannon-ball had in an instant cut away the top of his head in as straight a line as if it had been done with a surgeon's saw there had been no time for agony or pain the boy's lips were almost in a smile. It was a Mississippi battery that had been torn to pieces there, and it may be that in a home nearby a mother stood that morning praying for her boy. The South had such war costs as well as the North. My regiment now entered on all those rapid marches and battles in the rear of Vicksburg. Raymond, 
jackson champion hills and the assaults on the breastworks about the city for days we scarcely slept at all it was hurry here and quick step there day and night none of us soldiers or subordinates could tell the direction we were marching we had few rations little water and almost no rest we had left our base at the river and in a large sense we were cut off and surrounded all the time the capture of a rebel scout at once changed everything through him grant learned how hurrying divisions of the enemy were about to unite a quick move could checkmate everything indeed it was nothing but a great game of chess that was being played only we the moving pieces had blood and life at one time grant's army was as likely to be captured as to capture my regiment like all the others hurried along the country roads through dust that came to the shoe-top the atmosphere was yellow with it the moving of a column far away could be traced by it we followed it in the way that joshua's army followed the mighty cloud as we passed farms where there was something to eat the captains would call out to a dozen men of the line to hurry in carry off all they could and pass it over to the companies still marching it was a singular-looking army so whole regiments tramped along with sides of bacon or sheaves of oats on the points of their bayonets we dared not halt when we bivouacked long after dark often it was the dust of the roadside we always lay upon our arms sometimes there was a little fire oftener there was none the fat bacon was eaten raw my regiment was in advance at the engagement at raymond also at jackson at jackson it rained and thundered fearfully during the battle a rebel battery was on a green slope right in front of us pouring a terrible shelling into us as we approached it from the raymond road the shocks of thunder so intermingled with the shocks from the guns that we could not tell the one from the other and many times a sudden crash of thunder caused us all to drop to the ground fearing a cannonball would cut its swath through the regiment we were marching in columns of fours shortly we formed line of battle and in rushing to the left through a great cane break while we were advancing in battle line under a fire of musketry the order was given to lie down we obeyed quickly how closely too we hugged the ground and the depression made by a little brook while i lay there it happened that my major marshal was close behind me on horseback he had no orders to dismount i could glance back and see his face as the bullets zipped over our heads or past him he sat on his horse as quiet as a statue save that with his right hand he constantly twisted his moustache he looked straight into the cane break he was a brave man could the enemy behind the forests of cane have seen where they were firing he would not have lived a minute shortly there was roaring of cannon and quick charges at the other side of the town jackson was won at daylight the next morning we hurried in the direction of champion hills at our left as we went down the road the battlefield of the day before was strewn with corpses of our own men in a few minutes the brave seventeenth regiment of iowa had lost eighty men at this spot out of three hundred and fifty engaged in an assault my friend captain walden received honorable mention among others for gallantry in this jackson charge a few hundred yards off i noticed a man in a field quite alone 
digging in the ground out of curiosity i went to him and asked what he was doing alone when the regiments were all hurrying away a brown blanket covered something near by he pointed to it and said that two of his brothers lay dead under that blanket he was digging a grave for them he went on with his work and i hurried to overtake my command this was the fifteenth of may eighteen sixty three i did not know it then but shortly i was to see general grant in the midst of battle i was to see several other things and feel some of them also my situation as to the fifth regiment was a peculiar one being the quartermaster sergeant i belonged to no company in particular the good colonel however knowing my love for adventure and that i was never lacking in duty allowed me to attach myself to any company i liked provided only that there was a reliable substitute performing my duties with the train at the rear i had no trouble in securing such a substitute usually found among the slightly wounded soldiers since we crossed the mississippi i had marched and carried my rifle all the way had been in every skirmish and engagement sometimes i tramped along with my old company b of newton sometimes i went with the extreme left of the regiment i was no more heroic than all the others in the command but i was fond of the risk and the excitement of battle i would have resigned my warrant as quartermaster sergeant in a moment rather than miss a hard march or an engagement let the chance be what it might i think my love of adventure and my seeking it so often away from my proper post of duty at the rear was often the occasion of amused comment once when marching at the left i heard our surgeon carpenter cry out to another officer riding beside him there's a fight to-day look out the sign's sure the quartermaster sergeant has got his gun none of us private soldiers now really knew in what direction we were marching we heard only that the enemy was concentrating at edwards ferry station between us and big black river general crocker of my estate was now leading our division and the magnificent general mcpherson commanded the army corps the night of may fifteenth the division bivouacked in the woods by the side of a road that leads from bolton toward vicksburg we marched hard and late that day the morning of the sixteenth my regiment was up and getting breakfast long before daylight the breakfast consisted of some wet dough cooked on the ends of ramrods nothing more troops were hurrying past our bivouac by daylight once i went out to the roadside to look about a bit it was scarcely more than early daylight yet cannon could occasionally be heard in the far distance something like low thunder as i stood there watching some batteries hurrying along i noticed a general and his staff gallop through the woods parallel with the road they were leaping logs brush or whatever came in their way it was general grant hurrying to the front shortly came the orders fall in and we too were hurrying along that road toward champion hills by ten o'clock the sound of the cannon fell thundering on our ears and we hurried all we could as riders came back saying the battle had already begun as we approached the field the sound of great salvos of musketry told us the hour had surely come the sound was indeed terrible 
at the left of the road we passed a pond of dirty water all who could broke ranks and filled canteens knowing that in the heat of the fight we would need the water terribly i not only filled my canteen i filled my stomach with the yellow fluid in order to save that in the canteen for a critical moment just then there was in front of us a terrific crashing not like musketry but more like the falling down of a thousand trees at once our brigade a small one was hurried into line of battle at the edge of an open field that sloped down a little in front of us and then up to a wood-covered ridge that wood was full of the rebel army fighting was going on to the right and left of us and bullets flew into our own line wounding some of us as we stood there waiting there was an old well and curb at the immediate right of my regiment and many of our boys were climbing over each other to get a drop of water soon the bullets came faster zipping zipping among us thicker and thicker we must have been in full view of the enemy as we stood there not firing a shot our line stood still in terrible suspense not knowing why we were put under fire without directions to shoot zip 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 came the rebel bullets and now and then a boy in blue would groan strike his hand to a wounded limb or arm drop his gun and fall to the rear or perhaps he fell in his tracks dead without uttering a word we too who saw it uttered no word but watched steadily anxiously at the front then general grant himself rode up behind us and so close to the spot where i stood that i could have heard his voice he leaned against his little bay horse and had the inevitable cigar in his mouth and was calm as a statue possibly smoking so much tranquillized his nerves a little and aided in producing calmness still grant was calm everywhere but he also smoked everywhere be that as it may it required very solid courage to stand there quietly behind that line at that moment for my own part i was in no agreeable state of mind in short i might be killed there at any moment i thought and i confess to having been nervous and alarmed every man in the line near me was looking serious though determined we had no reckless fools near us whooping for blood once a badly wounded man was carried by the litter-bearers the drummers of my regiment close to the spot where the general stood he gave a pitying glance at the man i thought i was not twenty feet away but he never spoke nor stirred then i heard an officer say we are going to charge it seems that our troops in front of us in the woods had been sadly repulsed and now our division was to rush in and fight in their stead and the commander-in-chief was there to witness our assault two or three of us near each other expressed dissatisfaction that the commander of an army in battle should expose himself as general grant was doing at that moment when staff officers came up to him he gave orders in low tones and they would ride away one of them listening to him glanced over our heads toward the rebels a while looked very grave and gave some mysterious nods the colonel who was about to lead us also came to the general's side a moment he too listened looked and gave some mysterious nods something was about to happen end of chapter seven part one